When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you are always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm the Beat Kamuguchi, and you're listening to Sound of the Lens. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast presented by alina health orthopedics i'm steve mcpherson and today we've got a special season preview edition of sound of the loons sort of a a crossover episode like when the jetsons would meet the flintstones i am definitely dating myself by saying that but i think it still happens on on tv shows where there's like somebody from some other show goes anyways that's what we're doing uh callum williams and i are joined by cal's partner from the broadcast preview podcast kindred d saint almond first off uh you guys uh, i'm doing a vibes check here uh, what have you been watching uh listening to or reading lately uh, that you have been really enjoying, Kendra. Uh, let's let's start with you. If you have all of those, that's fine. If you have one of those, that's fine. Also, just just what's what's been what's been doing it for you away from your professional life. Well, that's actually interesting. I'm glad you added that caveat at the end, away from my professional life, because this is sort of the time of the season when the reading I'm doing is not much else than everything MLS at this point. Um, I would love to say that I'm doing some really intriguing reading of some other things, but not so much. And same with the podcast. What am I listening to? It's pretty much anything that's related to soccer. Um, I just try to find a way like when I'm on a walk or whatever to absorb what I need to during those times rather than, or like I'm driving in the car or something like that. Um, watching though, like you guys know, I'm a huge sports fan, so I don't do a ton of series, but we've been watching the Minnesota wild. I love hockey Timberwolves. You can chuck them to the side of the road. They're (laughs) terrible. Um, and so it's really been, you know, college hockey and, um, with the Minnesota three, three Minnesota teams in the frozen four and Minnesota wild, aside from the soccer that's finally on television. Um, happy to see the CCL back this week. So you could see some MLS teams in action. But that's pretty much it for me. I know I sound pretty lame, but that's <laughs> kind of the world we live in when uh, we're just going to be thrust into this season. And it's fun to kind of catch up. There's nothing wrong with being bunkered in, you know, to your job, especially in this in this moment when there's when there's a big run up. I think it's I'm, I am also, you know, I don't even have to be on TV and do this stuff. Uh, I just have to write about it. So I but I have spent a lot of time on MLSsoccer.com, on American Soccer Analysis, on just like, you know, reading tons of stuff. So absolutely. Cal. Give us hope that there is life outside of soccer, though, by providing us some little tidbit of something that is entertaining you. Just so much soccer. (laughs) (laughs) You're asking the wrong guy there, too, because this guy watches every league that I've never even heard of, you know? It's it's been, I mean, look, I'm always, I always tend to be, uh, surrounded by soccer from, as, as Kendra sort of insinuated, all four corners of the world, really, because I just love the game so much. It doesn't matter. I'll stay up at 11 p.m. and watch a game from South Korea. I think I texted Kendra last night. There was uh, a former MLS player that was playing in South Korea, and I texted her saying, oh, look at this guy playing in South Korea. I'm sure, she was like, what are you doing? Go to bed, you good loser, you know? <laughs> just, just so much soccer, Steve. And uh, you know, a lot of it I can only blame myself for as well with, with the other side projects and Conme Bowl and what have you as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's just a lot of soccer, um, especially over the last week or two, um, really in preparation for MLS and a few other things on the horizon. Um, but prior to that, what I will say, you, you'll I, I think you'll appreciate this, after a good decade of avoiding it. And I don't know why I avoided it, but I just did because it just irritated me. Finally, Steve, finally, my wife and I started watching The Great British Bake Off. Excellent and choice. Excellent choice. It still irritates me. <laughs> so well, whilst it's, it is mildly entertaining, um, but I think it's just because I'm not very good in the kitchen and I'm just thinking, well, I don't want to watch everybody else do really good stuff. But it is actually quite enthralling and... and, and um, 
it's been good. I don't know, maybe I'm just getting older. I have no idea. But um, it's been good. Uh, that, that's the only thing really I've, you know, this was a couple of weeks ago we watched the last episode, but um, it, it, it's just been a major consumption of, of world football. And uh, I don't think that'll change anytime soon. Yeah, the uh, the Great British Baking Show uh, is very, it's like comfort food. Like, I think as far as watching, it's one of those things that like my wife and I will intersperse, um, you know, more serious television series with like lighter stuff we'll watch different like sort of reality shows and that's one of those ones where it's just it's fun to watch uh it's fun to watch them make stuff um there's a little bit of drama but not that much but enough to kind of pull you through it uh my my one story about the great british baking show is that we showed it to our kids once because we thought that they would enjoy it and uh my oldest by the end was just distraught and her explanation was it's it's i think she was like i think it's harder for kids to watch like sweets being made than adults <laughs> that they don't get to have <laughs> you know like like so for us i'm just like it's just fun to watch it but the kids are like i want that cake and they can't have it and then they get upset about it so um all right i'm gonna provide the culture for our audience then uh last night i started watching dark which is um uh a show on netflix and uh, I'm only watching it because my family is out of the house for the next for the for the next two days, and it's not a vibe that my wife would be into. It's very um, ominous, uh, children being kidnapped, slightly paranormal, Twin Peaksy. It's mm-hmm. German. Uh, it's uh, so far I'm two episodes in. It's great and creepy, and it's delivering exactly the vibe that I want. I've got a lot of vibe talk today. It's de- delivering the mood that I want. Um, so that's fun. Cal, you feel like I feel like you have a comment about dark. Just just that I, I've watched it, um, you know, when we had the longest off-season ever. I had time <laughs> to watch it, and uh, very, very good. You're only two episodes in, mate. Man, you've got some twists and turns coming I, your way, let me tell you. <laughs> I, can, I can feel it. I mean, just by the way they set it up and they show photos of different people at different ages, and, like, you know there's time travel involved. And uh-huh. the, they're not telling you who is whose parents, but it's very clearly important that it's, like, these kids – and then these adults, and this is how they're all connected. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. Uh, out today for music, Assertion, which is uh, a band uh, by uh, – it's a new band with William Goldsmith, who's the drummer for Sunday Day Real Estate, which is one of my absolute favorite bands of all time from, from Seattle. And uh, I recommend people check it out. He's a great drummer, and the band is good. Uh, I, I, my notes here so far, I've listened to the album once – are a little bit of Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, if you guys know Sparta, you guys probably don't know Sparta, but uh, they're an, <laughs> sort of alt-rock, indie-rock band from the early 2000s. It's very early 2000s uh, sort of uh, post-hardcore stuff. It's quite good if you like loud things with a lot of energy. Um, lastly, the book I'm reading, which I'm really into right now, is called The Three-Body Problem, and it's a, ch- a Chinese novel uh, sci-fi novel translated into English. Uh, it's the start of a series of sci-fi novels. And I've been looking for like a heavy sci-fi novel to get into. And it's got that. It's uh, it's interesting and involves uh, virtual reality and aliens coming to Earth. So I'm, I'm about three quarters of the way through it. And I think I'm just getting into it, like where it gets sort of really good now. But that's, okay, enough about my reading habits and all of that stuff. Let's talk about soccer. It's been 15 minutes and now we're going to get to the actual good stuff. Let's, let's begin. We're going to talk about, this is the season preview. So we're going to talk about Minnesota United a little bit and then sort of MLS stuff a little later. Uh, Minnesota United last preseason game is uh, today against Orlando City. I believe that's correct. Uh, I'm a little behind, but I looked at Twitter and I saw an Orlando City flag, so I imagine that that's what we're we're doing. Now, preseason results, obviously, all over the place. They've been good for Minnesota, but we saw, I believe it was in 2017, Minnesota's preseason results were fantastic. And if you remember the 2017 season, it did not turn out so fantastic. So forget about the results. It's, it's interesting to see the team come together, interesting to see some different looks, uh, different players getting out there to hear. You guys had a great interview with Adrian uh, last week talking about some of the players who sort of stood out. The thing I want to start with is that uh, a couple times over the last few weeks, as, as Cal and I have been doing this, we've sort of been talking about what this team is going to look like going into the, the regular season. And we've sort of had to circle around this, this gap at center forward and exactly what is going to happen with that. Uh, now it seems like we've got the guy who's going to be, you know, barring something crazy happening, the starting center forward. And I'm going to let Cal say his name right now because he corrected me earlier. Cal, who is this player? Ramon Avila. Ramon, Ramon Avila. Avila. 
Okay. Well, not uh, to be pretentious there, Steve, but that's, that's <laughs> you know, we are broadcasters after all, you know. I appreciate your 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 faithfulness and fidelity to correct pronunciation of players' names. I really do. Um, I will let's start with Kendra. Uh, from what you know of um, Abila and <laughs> and Abila, <laughs> sorry, I'm not. I don't mean to be insulting to Ramo here, but um, I'm seriously. Uh, Kendra, let's start with you. What do you what do you know uh, about? You know, we've sort of seen some highlights. We've seen some stuff on social media. Uh, we've gotten you know people have gotten to see clips. You know, people are talking about his his, his contributions at Boca Juniors. Um, what do you expect? What do you what what can you tell us about him? And then what do you expect to see from him with Minnesota United this season? I think honestly, the single most important thing about bringing Abela in is that he's got Emmanuel Reynoso sitting behind him. And I think that's really important. I think he's going to be a quality attacker, quality number nine, but most importantly, if anything, is that he's got familiarity with Emmanuel Reynoso. I think that's important in this league. I think it's hard for guys to come to this country and, and, and play in MLS. They maybe don't know what to expect. So the fact that he contacted Reynoso, the fact that they had conversations about it, and the fact that they played together, they're from the same area, from the same city. They've grown up, you know, in and out of the same kind of playing, mixing and mingling in soccer um, and the pressure of Boca Juniors. Now, from an actual technical ability, and what is he going to bring to the table and how is Adrian going to use him tactically? I think that's going to be interesting. And I know Cal has brought up, brought this up several times to me when we've had conversations and you guys have probably discussed it as well um, before the official signing took place is how does he fit into the way Adrian wants to play? Mm -hmm. And Cal will probably touch on that a little bit more. And I think that um, let's be fair. Let's be honest. There's been a, a kind of a trial and error process with the number nine since Minnesota United went into MLS in 2017. Was Christian Ramirez that guy? You know, we've rotated through different attacking pieces. We've tried to put Darwin Quintero kind of up there. We've had, you know, and, and then sliding him out on the wing. We've tried, you know, Abu Dunlade. We've tried all sorts of players. Then we had Kai Kamara last season. Then you had injuries. Then you had Luis Amaria, which I actually thought that style that Luis played was really perfect for a player like a Robin Lode, a Kevin Molino, and now an Emmanuel Reynoso, the kind that you can combine with and, and give and go, you know, and um, understand the appreciation for what the game can bring going forward I'm not sure if Abila is going to be that exact player now Adrian says he's the kind that can play off the shoulder he can also post up he can face up he can dish the ball he can do a give and go he can do a wall pass all those kinds of things which I think is very important but also is he going to have you know the ability to play that ticky-tack kind of football that we saw so beautifully with Reynoso with Kevin Molino and Robin Lud and the way Reynoso likes to play Adrian said he's a big body. He's strong. Um, and I, I just want to know if, you know, and I'll let Cal hit on this more because he's talked about it a lot about the pressing nature and his ability to, you know, put pressure on defenses the way Adrian likes to do. But from an attacking standpoint, just the fact that he's familiar with Reynoso, if he can play that combination ticky-tack style that we so beautifully saw last season with Reynoso in that number 10 position, then I think this could be dangerous. And let's be fair, he's a goal scorer. That is what you need in this league. It's the hardest thing to do in this league. It's the hardest thing to do in the game of soccer anywhere. And he just emphasized over and over again, he is here to score goals and finish his chances. And if he does that, then I think it's going to be a win-win for Minnesota United and for him to come here and play in this league and really shine like, like Reynoso has. And the work rate. We know Boca Junior players. I mean, they come in here and they just they understand the pressure. So I think that's going to be – I think it will be all good things – but, you know, we just never know until they get on the field in this league what they're going to actually show to this to this to this team, to this club and to this league. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it, it sort of reminds me you brought up sort of the, the sort of rotating cast of different looks at, at, at number nines, you know, and, and how it's been played. Obviously, Robin Lud had a lot of success as a sort of false nine at the end of last year. Um, probably not necessarily a thing you want to go to uh, as a regular look, but again, it's a thing that's out there as an option, uh, you know, depending on on the lineup. But it, you know, you you mentioned Christian Ramirez, and it's a, it reminds me of a thing that Adrian said before, which is that in some ways, um, you know, like. Christian now would be a great fit for what the team has and sort of his style. And I think that, you know, based on what I've seen, what people have said so far about, about Abila, like, I feel like he's got, 
maybe some of that quality uh, and that it's a sort of a mixed bag. You know, we, we had players like Mason, Mason Toy or Abu Dunladi who were sort of speedsters getting in behind. We had a guy like Angelo Rodriguez who was sort of a hold-up guy. Um, Abila seems to sort of mix some of those things, be like a guy who's just like one thing Christian excelled at is just being in the right place at the right time to like be there in front of the box and put the ball in when it got in there. And it seems like Abila has some of that. He has some post-up ability. Um, but Cal, let's, let's, let's go to you and, and, and hear a little bit more tactically um, about what you expect from, from Abila going forward. Okay. So um I've seen a lot of him over the course of, of the last couple of months, having done the, the Libertadores and um, watched a lot of Argentine football through various different um, scouting mechanisms and videos and what have you. Um, I think more than anything, Steve, I, I'm, I'm just surprised that the club went for a player like this. And, and here's why. And I'll try and do sort of a pros and cons tactic here because I, I genuinely understand why the club have gone for him. And, and I certainly agree with what Kindra insinuated that, that it can be a good signing and it can work. But I'm just surprised because for so long, Adrian has spoken of wanting to play in this high press and, and wanting the, the centre forward to, to do as much of that as possible. Um, and, and as Adrian has been quoted in saying before, he wants to defend from the fronts. Mm-hmm. Ramon Abila is, is not a player that's going to press. He's not a player that is going to to consistently provide pressure. He'll, he'll give it a go for sure, but um, he's a stocky centre-forward. He's not light-footed. Um, he is much more, if you had to pick between someone who's going to press and someone who's going to post up and be somewhat of a target man, although that's not really his game, he's the latter. So um, I, I'm, I'm just curious, really, in terms of why that was the, the, the route that they went down in the end. But um, look... The, you said something early on, Steve, about um, about him being the guy, and, and, and I agree, he, he will come in and be the guy for the time being. I'm not convinced he's going to be the guy mm-hmm. in terms of the entirety of the season, because I think it's fairly obvious that there's other things in the works, aren't there? So, um, but look, in terms of, um, from a, a positive point of view, I, I think he's going to be really good in tight spaces, because going back to the whole pressing nature... Luis Amaria was not that player either. And Amaria had a good start and looked like, for all the money's worth, that had we had a normal season in MLS, he, he would have done okay and scored quite a few goals. Um, I think Kindra made a very good point in the sense that, that Reynoso is the player that's going to be feeding him the service, for the most part. Um, he is very good playing off the shoulder, uh, very good in terms of uh, staying on side and reading the line. Um, and also the, the the variation of goals that he's scored as well. Adrian mentioned this in the podcast the other day that you mentioned that we've recorded. Uh, scored a lot of goals from the service from the wide players, Salvio and, and, and Villa um, at Boca Juniors. Um, but a lot of the goals have come from, from a, a number 10 slipping the ball through and him, as I said, playing off of the shoulder of the centre half and, and doing very well indeed in, in that role. So um, I'm, not, I'm not saying at all that this won't work because I think there are absolutely... Um, there, there are fundamentals that make this a very, very good, astute piece of business because as well, it's a loan deal. The, there is an option to buy and the figure that's been thrown out there, by the way, for the, the um, option to make it permanent is, is nonsense. It's a lot lower from, from what I've heard. So it does make it low risk, which right. is a good thing for Minnesota. And also it gives, it gives Abilar a chance to come and play in a country that he's wanted to play in as well. I think he's going to come here and I think he's going to score goals um, what I'm, I'm not convinced uh, that he'll do is, as I said, is, is the high press um, and, and defending from the front. So I wonder, at some stage, is this going to force the hand of, of Adrian Heath to, to play a little bit differently? Not, not hugely, but a little bit, you know, when Minnesota are in the final third because everything will be tighter because there is no pressing forwards. The, the, the defensive line won't be pushed back as far as, as you would expect when you have a high pressing forward. But as I said earlier on, that there are advantages to that, of course, but but I, I think with the way that Avila plays, I think it's okay because if the wide players are pressing anyway, maybe the back line of the opposition will, will be forced to go back a little bit, thus meaning Reynoso is higher up the field, thus meaning Avila is on the edge and, and looking to get in behind. So, so maybe, maybe the, there is something in this where we'll be okay at the end of the day, but... I think more than anything, Steve, I'm just surprised because 
I thought they were going to go for a, a centre forward that, that has a bags of pace that, that does press a lot more than, than Avila does. But like I said, I, I think there's more coming. And, and if Minnesota do eventually bring in a, a forward of that nature, what Avila does is he presents another way for Minnesota United to play. So, look, at the end of the day, I agree with what Kendra's saying in the sense that I think he's going to score some goals. Um, I, I just wonder what his role is going to be when he is in this starting eleven. Well, and I think we, and I don't want to put words in, in your guys' mouth, but we can all probably agree that is there anything worse than a number nine or a forward that doesn't press when your teammate is doing that work behind you? I mean, that causes a whole nother bag of frustration and and, you know, um, you know, sometimes a clashing in a team when you guys are doing the work behind, but you don't get that pressure initially from up top and you're trying to all work together. We've learned more than anything, I think, in soccer, that if you're not all on the same page and doing the same thing and applying the same amount of pressure in different parts of the pitch, then it all can go to, you know, heck really quickly. So we'll see how they utilize him, as Cal just insinuated. We'll see how that goes and, and what the shape looks behind him. Um, and if he's scoring boatloads of goals, then maybe you're willing to sacrifice a little bit of the lack of pressure. It's hard, it's hard to say. And that is, it, we also heard a lot of coaches say over the last season, especially that you can't, you can't be a number nine or a number 10 in this league or any league really anymore without playing defense. And that was yeah. the big selling point and the bonus of Emmanuel Reynoso is his absolute insane work rate and willingness to defend. You can't just be a 10 that just sits in the middle and dinks the ball around, but doesn't participate in the defensive side of things. I think the number nine is very much the same as we could go around the league and look at all the number nines that have been successful. Most are, you know, high pressing and they're all on the same page with the midfield behind them. I also think as well, Steve, that um, the one thing that we have to be cautious about as well is Avila's fitness. He's had a history with injuries. Um, and I, I really, I'm, I'm sure we'll hit on this later on and maybe in a separate podcast, but I, I do wonder if he will actually start against the Sounders on opening day because he's not played competitive football since, uh, I think it was mid-January. So, <laughs> you know, it takes time. It takes time. But I, I'm, look, at the end of the day, Steve, I, I think he's going to score some goals. I, I really do. And I think he's going to be very good in the tight spaces, as we, uh, we, we've insinuated, especially because... He's going to have his mate behind him, Reynoso, who knows exactly the type of runs he's going to make. He's fed him the ball so many times at Boca Juniors. Um, and as I said earlier on, it's it's a loan deal, Steve. So it is yeah. low risk, high reward as well. So yeah. end of the day, look, as I said, I've got my own opinions on the individual, but I absolutely see the positives and see why people should be excited about this player coming in. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's a Tam, it's a Tam deal. He's a Tam player. He's not, he's not a DP. It's, it's a loan. Um, I think that it, it sort of points to the fact that there's a lot of moving pieces uh, at any one moment. And then all those pieces are also moving over, over time. And so, you know, you know that there are other things in the works. There are other deals that are, 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 are trying to be made. Um, it, it seems like at different points, you have to make that decision as a, as a front office, you know, the, the, the people who are in charge of this stuff, who are working on this stuff, Mark Watson, Amos McGee, the people who are, who are, who are, you know, Manny Lagos, like working on these deals and things like that. Adrian is involved in that as well, where you say, you know, this isn't going to get over the finish line. Um, you see the chemistry, uh, between Reynoso and, and, um, Abila. Now we've said his name five different ways, so I'm just going to just, I'm just going to plow ahead with it. Um, you, you know, you, you're sort of banking on that chemistry, hopefully carrying you through maybe like, maybe this isn't the ideal fit. I mean, we've seen before that Adrian is since the, the team's come into MLS, Adrian Heath has had a way that the team he's wanted the team to be able to play when they haven't been able to play that way. He's rolled with it and he's figured out a way to make it work um, a way to play counterattacking football. Even if he wants possession-based football, he's, he's adapted to it. And I think this is maybe a situation in which this guy fits uh, based on chemistry and based on needing a goal scorer. And hopefully that's enough. Um, it also moves uh, you know, it's sort of every guy you get can sort of shift like what you think of the different positions, you know, like I think heading into the season with Juan Agadello as your number one center forward is maybe a little iffy. Having Agadello as your number two, uh, possibly starting if 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 Avila isn't isn't fit right away, that's great. Uh, if if at some point someone else comes in and now you're looking at Agadello and uh, you know Avila as a change of pace in your sort of like two and two A slot, and then somebody else who's your number one. It, that makes that look a lot better. Plus you've got Patrick Weah coming in as, as, as a young guy, as a homegrown who's learning behind them, you know, suddenly you've got like 
you've got a, you've got Foster Langsdorf also there, you know, like you've got, if you, you've got like four to five forwards, that's a lot different than where we were, you know, a month ago being like, who's going, you know, is Foster Langsdorf going to start, you know, day one uh, against the Seattle Sounders? You know, this is, it's always a moving target. Um, shifting real quickly, I wanted to, to ask about this, this sort of, um, bringing in guys from Argentina as, as a sort of pattern um, and the sort of, you know, the way that MLS teams will look at, you know, if you go back again to 2017, uh, brought in a bunch of Scandinavian players initially from Minnesota United as sort of saying like, this is an area we've looked at um, that shifted. We had a couple uh, Colombians when we had Darwin Quintero, we had Angelo Rodriguez. Um, there's sort of this, you, you know, the world is a big place. Uh, if you've gone to Argentina and to find Reynoso, uh, and that's the guy you've gotten along the way, you see other guys, you say like, this is a guy that we could bring in. It sort of makes an easy transition, uh, because you've got guys who are, uh, talking to their, their friends, their teammates, they're saying like, this is a good situation. I mean, let's be honest globally. MLS is not yet at the point where the league sells itself, right? Like if you're talking about basketball, kids in Africa, kids in, in, in Asia, kids in Central Europe are going, I want to grow up and play in the NBA. Kids are not growing up going, I want to play in the MLS. Like that's not, that's not where the league is at yet. And so having that thing where, you know, somebody is there and says, this is a good situation. You should come here. Um, that means a lot. It seems like sort of a pattern um, that, we're, that we're starting to see. And it's, it's good to see Minnesota United sort of making inroads into markets like Argentina to say like, let's make relationships that we can build on with clubs like Boca Juniors that are, you know, internationally recognized clubs to sort of ease those processes. So um, like, how do you see that, Kendra, as far as, you know, bringing in guys who are sort of from the same system or from one area of the world to be able to sort of say like, we have an established base here in Minnesota for you to come into? I think it's a few things. I think it's a lot of what you talked about that if um, a player comes here and then they talk to their teammates, they talk to their friends and they understand that there's a positive vibe around it. I mean, we can talk about, you know, you mentioned Finland as well um, Mm -hmm. in our rundown for coming into the show. I mean, we can see very much the same thing with Robin Lud and Yuka Raitala um, both coming in and and you just know that there's a conversation now Raitala clearly was in MLS before but still just what is the attraction to the specific team to the specific club the other thing I think is huge is is that these technical directors these sporting directors these scouts establish a network in a certain part of the world that they become comfortable with with their contacts with their sources with whoever that might that might be in whatever you know, whoever Mark Watson or Amos McGee or whoever has talked to in Argentina or different parts of the world, they become comfortable, I think, with a certain network of people that they are trusting and relying on for information on good players in that part of the world. And I don't know this for a fact. This is just sort of my assumption, just based on some of the players that have brought in and why multiple come from the same area. So you have the good feedback from your teammate, Reynoso, you know, to Abila. And then you also have this network that you've established as a sporting staff that you trust the opinions that you're getting and that you've already done a deal. As we saw with Reynoso, that deal was not easy. Mm-hmm. It took a lot to get that over the line. But now maybe that you've done it once with that club, you've established it, there's good faith there on both sides that maybe it's easier then to make additional deals moving forward. And plus the player fits the style that you want to play or the kind of player that you want to bring in. We've seen Atlanta bring a lot of South American players. And, you know, we see different teams kind of draw from different parts of the globe and they may have three or four guys from the same part of of the, of the world because they found a player in a style that fits what they want to do. That's, that's kind of my assumption on it and my thoughts on it without knowing the actual inner workings of it. But that's what I would, I would say. And I, I do think good word of mouth from your teammates um, is probably really important. Yeah, we, we shouldn't underestimate the the role that having done a deal before plays in it. I just I wrote an article about sort of how these deals get done and 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 how rosters get built and stuff like that. And talking to Logan Kunek, who's who's the the person at our club who deals with a lot of that stuff, you know, it it's it should be appreciated that when you're dealing internationally, like different leagues have different rules. And so to to get a league, get a team familiar with how rules work in MLS and then bring guys in, you know, because a lot of these leagues aren't salary capped, for example. And so when they're making deals, they're like, well, this is what we want. And you're like, we just can't, like, it doesn't fit. 
Like it won't fit. What we pay him won't fit based on that. Like the transfer fee has to be figured into the length of the contract. And that determines whether they're a TAM player or a DP player. And you can just imagine guys in Argentina going like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Because like, us, like people here who follow the league closely are like, what are you talking about when it comes to some of that stuff? So if you've done a deal with, 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 with Boca juniors and they understand like some of the parameters around this stuff, it probably makes it a lot easier to do it again. That seems fair, right, Cal? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I Kendra and I have heard countless stories of, of agents not quite understanding what, what do you mean? You can't, we can't just transfer our client over here. It, you know, he's wanted by, you know, team X in MLS. What do you mean? We can't just, what? Like, there's a salary cap? What? It, it, it's just, it's so unique to Major League Soccer, for sure. Um, and look, there are other leagues that have sort of semi-modeled it. I know the Australian A-League has a salary cap and, and the Indian Super League tried it a little for a little while as well. And there's other places that have tried to model it. But I think, look, ultimately, I think the salary cap was brought in to, to ensure the survival of Major League Soccer. Yeah. Um, I think we're past that now, if I'm being totally honest, although... You know, we've just had a, a year where there's a lot of money being lost. Um, I, I'm not suggesting we should get rid of the salary cap because I don't think we should. But um, there's there's no doubt it has held teams back in the past. It's held it, it, it's held certain owners back who want to go and spend a certain amount of dollar on on a certain amount of player in the past for sure. So I do wonder when when this will be adjusted. I, I know it seems to get bigger every year, which is great. That's slow and steady growth, um, which is been the identity of major league soccer over the last 20 years hasn't it so um right now it's fine but no, no doubt steve internationally that the, the the way that mls works has caused problems um for, for some individuals for sure but in, in terms of like you know the the influx of, of argentines and south americans i just think it's a good market for mls right now steve because there is money in major league soccer now uh, that wasn't here 10 years ago um and they can actually go and and buy players from um, teams in South America because they can afford them. And there's also certain areas in Europe that they can go and do that as well. If you look at the, the, the amount of players that come over from, from Ligue 1 in France, it's because Major League Soccer now has the financial resources to go and do it. it mm-hmm. it's not, they're not quite there yet in terms of competing you know, with the Premier League in, in England or the Bundesliga in Germany or anything. You know, I think we're a long way from that yet. But what MLS has done is it's slowly grown itself into a stage where it can compete with a lot of leagues around the world. And that's only a good thing for the growth of the league. Yeah. All right. I'm going to perform some triage here because I, just as I figured, we're just going to we just get going on stuff. And then it, suddenly it's been 38 minutes since we started this podcast and I haven't even gotten to the second part of it yet. Um, I have three, three last things. Uh, Minnesota United focused. I will, I will ask you guys to pick what you want to do. Uh, it, you know, okay. Returns on Nico Hansen uh, or the rookies or Tomas Chacon uh, finally going out on loan to get some, some games. Which one of these do we want to do? We're going to pick one. Uh, my money would be on, let's, can we just call it newcomers? We can lump Nico Hansen in with the rookies. I mean, I think the Thomas Chacon thing is kind of, you know, we all thought that was coming and it's, you know, he's gone. I don't think he's coming back. So I'm going to go with, um, Nico Hansen has been a massive pleasant surprise. I shouldn't say surprise because I think Adrian said in our our podcast the other day, he's one of those players when you played against, when you stepped in the field, you knew he was had to account for him mm-hmm. he's a player that's dangerous with the ball at his foot to me he's faster with the ball at his foot when he's not when he doesn't have the ball so anytime you have a winger or somebody who can play and push and force the defense to ask questions of themselves and second guess what that player is going to do and he does it with pace I think that is a bonus I think he's a, a good combination player I think he'll be able to push up the line but also find the inside player whether it's Sasani Dotson or Manuel Reynoso I think are capable of pushing forward and, and combining and he'll get to the end line he'll get around the end line he'll be dangerous on the attack so I think he's been a massive pleasant surprise or a massive addition I should say for Adrian Heath and his staff and just another threat in the attacking third of the field. That's how I feel about Nico Hans without having seen him a ton in person, except for when we played against him. And then now just hearing Adrian talk about him and little snippets that we've seen in the, the training and the scrimmage that Cal and I attended. So hopefully we'll get to see more of him next week when the team comes back from Florida. Um, I think the rookies, I think, again, you know, it's, it's crapshoot with the draft. You, you, you try to draft, well and you try to hope that they fit you try to hope that they're quality on the pitch that they can adjust to this league to this level to this pace and I think Justin McMaster has been a um 
a, a good addition in it is Steele at the pick. Because I think, again, we've all talked about if he hadn't been injured, would he have gone higher? You didn't know how he's going to come back from these injuries. He went and played a few spring games with his college team. Now, and then he joined the team. And I think he's been a real pleasure and a delight, um, not just from his ability, but his personality and his work rate as well. So kind of like a, a glimmer of what you saw from the 2019 draft and players like Chase and Hassani and Dane. And now that's a high standard because those guys have, have done really well and stepped up and not to take anything away from the 2020 draft class. But I think there's a certain level that you can see right from the get go when, and some rookies step in and they, and they do really well and they can kind of have some composure on the ball. I think McMaster has done that. I think, um, how do you say his name? Nabi. Cal? Nabi. Okay. We'll go with Nabi. Okay. I'm going to go with Nabi. Kevin Gucci. (laughs) The last name is actually easier here, which is crazy. No, Um, Well, here's the way to remember it because he said when I did an interview with him uh, that his nickname was Nabeast, like on his team. Oh, oh, Um, good. Thank you. Nabi. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And um, I think again, he's another player that seems composed on the ball. He seems to fit what they're trying to do. He can play a couple different positions. So I think Adrian, another utility guy that, you know, when needed, can step in. We're going to have international calls. We're going to have international duty. I don't know who's all going on loan out where. Adrian also knows the importance of getting young guys time. They can't just train. They have to be able to play some games. So we'll see what happens with some of these players um, as the season goes on without having a a true second team that Minnesota United is associated with. So, um, again, he can play the six. He can play the center back role. I think he said the other day, did he say, Cal, that he tried him at fullback or he tried him in another position and was pleased with him there. So I think the more competition, the more depth. You're not asking a ton from um, rookies. The expectations are a little bit low in the first year, but I think these two have exceeded expectations from what I've been able to kind of glean from this. Yeah, Cal, you're, uh, I mean, I think you you were on that podcast, obviously, with, with Kendra, uh, which is some of the stuff that, that Adrian's been saying about, like you said about, I, I was interested, he said about McMaster, Justin McMaster, that he had that, that Hassani vibe of coming into practice in preseason, and just immediately the vets were like, this guy can play. Um, I mean, he also compared him to Molino, but a little more athletic. I mean, if you're comparing him to Molino and Hassani, that seems like, I was a little worried that Adrian's maybe selling him a little high for, for where he is probably right now, but uh, but any, any feedback that you want to add, uh, piggyback on that as far as, as those those newcomers and what they will be bringing to the team this year. Yeah. So first of all, Nico Hansen, I mean, Kim recovered it very well. Look, um, I think he can, he can really contribute this year for Minnesota United. Um, if it is uh, a week ahead and it's opening day in Seattle, um, if we go with, with what I think Minnesota will do, and that's a four, three, three, but that's another subject for another day. Uh, I, I would start Nico Hansen um, because he's had a very good preseason and he's impressed. And I think he's deserving of the opportunity. Um, in terms of McMaster, um, look, we've only seen him in the flesh, that, that one scrimmage that Kendra mentioned, and, and it was against um, um, uh, Union Omaha from USL League One. Uh, very, very pre-season game, you know, so there's only so much you can take from it. But um, he looks good, quick feet, good initial burst as well. Um, seems comfortable playing inside and outside as well. So I think he can contribute this year, I really do. Um, and in terms of, of Nabilai um, Kibinguchi, um, as Kendra sort of said as well, um, Adrian mentioned to us that he can play centre-half, he can play in the six, he can also play at right-back. So um, he's about as utilitarian as they come, really. And, and if that is the case, given the fact that there are so many games this year in what is going to be a condensed season, um, with hopefully the Open Cup to be contested in as well, um, there are going to be times when these players are needed. So I think the depth of this roster is probably the best it's ever been and it's the deepest it's ever been, Steve. Um, and we're saying this with, with hopefully two more players to come in as well. So um, right now, I think if you were to start the season, I think you'd be absolutely delighted with the group that you've got. Um, Adrian said exactly that on, on the, the other podcast that we've mentioned a few times. So I think right now there's every reason to be optimistic for Minnesota United and knowing full well that there's every chance, there's a very good chance that the roster is going to get even better during the season. Yeah. All right, we're gonna we're gonna shift to MLS broadly. We're, maybe we'll spend about fifteen minutes on that. We're gonna have to go like lightning round style in order not <laughs> get caught up on it. Uh, first, when injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you twenty four seven access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho.
All right, let's do some MLS. We're going to do some predictions. I hate predictions. And here we are. We're going to do them. Um, what uh, you guys that got the advantage of seeing what my predictions were already, because I sent you the rundown. Um, who are your top four teams in each conference? Let's begin with the Western Conference, and we'll begin with Callum Williams. Who do you see finishing in those home home playoffs game slots? So we're doing top four, are we? Obviously, top, I guess. Top four. If you want to put them in order, I'm fine with that. If you don't feel comfortable with that, I just want to know who. <clears throat> like at first, I was going to do top three, but then I'm like, but the four is the home playoff games, right? right? So like, well, you get you, the top one gets a buy, but you know what I'm saying? That's the that those are the those are the home playoff teams. So who do you have there? Okay, look in in, in no particular order because I think right now it, it's very difficult to predict because yeah, with, with, with the way the the transfer windows are aligning as well. For the first time ever, the European window is going to be open whilst the MLS season is underway right. um, in the in the opening third of the season. So I think we'll see an influx of players coming in uh, after you know five or six games. So what we have now, I think, could look very different. But what we have now, I think Kansas City, I think Minnesota, I think Portland Timbers, and the the, <laughs> the fourth one's really, really, really difficult. But I, I'm gonna. I'm going to go with LAFC, and I, and I know it, I'm not exactly an encyclopedic there. I think those are four very obvious picks, sure. um, but I think they're obvious for a reason, in, in my opinion, Steve. Okay, uh, that's good. There's, uh, you're correct. There's the four that I have. Uh, Kendra, do you have any disagreement with any of those four teams? Maybe we'll just start there. Um, you know, I would agree with LAFC, and I would agree with Portland. Uh, Minnesota, I think, will be in there again if, if you know, they get some of the pieces that they're talking about. And even based on the roster right now, if, if everyone can stay healthy, I think it is a bit of a crapshoot, too, because of the, all the windows. Yeah. I'm not sorry, the the international windows where players are going to be gone and the, the, mm-hmm. the games are going to be coming fast and furious. So I do think it's, it's going to be who can stay healthy. Um, I'm not 100% sold on Sporting Kansas City. I mean, Peter Vermees always seems to find his way in regardless, even though Minnesota absolutely – thumped them last year um at Kansas City but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if they're in the mix I do think Real Salt Lake is going to be um quite a bit improved this season it'll be a little bit on ownership I mean they can't spend a ton of money right now because they don't have a real owner so that's kind of hands tied behind their back but um I would maybe put RSL in that mix instead of sporting Kansas City I know that might seem shocking but otherwise I think that Portland, Minnesota, and LAFC are going to be in that top three in that fourth spot. Not in any order. Might be a little bit of a crapshoot between RSL and, and Sporting KC. Yeah, uh, Sporting Kansas City, it's one of those – I mean, you know, they had the top seed in the Western Conference last year, and you sort of want to say, well, how how much worse could it – I mean, can they fall entirely out of the, the top four if they were on top last season? Last season was super weird. Um you know, I, I think there's, it's, it's, there is a question about Alan Polito was fantastic, but also not really like the goal scoring number nine. He did a lot of playmaking. Um, and again, SKC is still on a track where their solid core is getting older and older and they have good young players, but you know, is, is like Busio looks great. Is he going to be there for the whole season? Like, is he going to get sold as, as an 18 year old who can, if he can really have a good year at the number 10 position, you know, so there's a lot of volatility with SKC. I think maybe let's go to dark horse teams a little bit. Uh, We can have Cal's input after this. I think that like a team like Colorado is one of those teams that's, that's as opposed to a team like SKC or Seattle also, who seem to be maybe transitioning away from like, you know, their core is getting older. Colorado's core is young and good and getting more time together. And so I wouldn't be shocked to see Colorado maybe sneak sneak into that top four and maybe SKC gets bounced out or as Kendra said, Real Salt Lake is an option. Cal, do you have any other, any teams out West who you think might be pushing into that top four? Um, There are two at the moment that I think are, they've got big question marks um, in terms of, I think there's more to come from them. Uh, And that's Vancouver Whitecaps, um, who have never been shy of spending money. Um, And I think Houston Dynamo have operated quite quietly and brought in some decent players. Um, What's interesting is is that all of us have given our predictions here. Not one of us said in the top four Seattle Sounders. Um, And and I'm very interested in, I've just today, this morning, started my prep for the the opening game. And um, looking at the Sounders roster, I don't think they're ready. I, did, I was doing my roster too and I'm like wait I need to go back am I missing some people there's like 15 guys yeah. that aren't homegrowns and aren't goalkeepers 
I'm like, they're missing some serious gaps here. Like, yeah. where, you know, yeah. and you got to replace Jordan Morris. So, yeah. 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 Well, I don't, yeah. not to, to move on, but I, I, I think, yeah, <laughs> I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Sanders are this year. I think uh, to answer a, a question moving forward, Steve, I think they could be the ones that perhaps are the surprise package in terms of them dropping out. Not, not, necessarily dropping out of the playoffs because I think they'll make the playoffs. Right. I don't think they'll be towards the top of the West as we've we've been used to seeing them over the last 10 years or so. Sure. Yeah. All right. Let's move on quickly. I would love to spend more time talking about that, but we'll, that we'll say that for the, you guys will have the, the broadcast preview for Seattle. You can dig into all of that uh, juicy uh, details there when it comes up. Uh, let's talk about the Eastern conference, which, you know, again, it's, I'm not going to get any more familiar with it given that we're only playing two Eastern conferences <laughs> this season, but um, you know, who let's start with Kendra. Who do you see as the top four teams uh, in, in the Eastern conference? Um, today, given that obviously things can change a lot, and it's it, probably the Eastern Conference is even a little more volatile than the Western Conference. Um, I would go with Columbus. I would go with New England. I would go with uh, Philly and Toronto. That would be my top four. Not okay. necessarily in that particular in any particular order, but I think those are kind of kind of have a firm hold. I know Philly can be a question mark because they did lose some quality players, right. but I I still think Jim Curtin. Um, he's just got everybody believing into what they're doing and he can kind of plug and play and how they went out of the playoffs last year. I don't think is indicative of the team that we'll see after they won the supporter shield last season. Yeah. This sort of points to that volatility thing, because I initially had new England in that top four. And then I was like, maybe they're a dark horse because I feel like a lot of people still are, you know, they, they sort of played their way into the playoffs last season, but you know, they didn't have a, a healthy uh, Carla, Carlos heel the whole season. If you have a healthy heel and a healthy bow the whole time, I think you've got a lot going there. And Bruce Arena, it's hard to count Bruce Arena out from getting the most out of a team. Um, Philadelphia, like again, is one of those teams where you know it sort of reminds me of this question of what is the system of the team. And Philadelphia is turning into a we 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 plow homegrowns through the system and we get these great guys and then they move on. And the question is like, do you hit a year where they don't, it doesn't hit, you know, and then your young, your homegrowns aren't hitting and then it doesn't work out. Like Red Bulls has sort of been that team where like for a long time it was like, well, we got these vets and then we got these young guys and we move them through. And then they just hit a thing where that didn't, it didn't click again. And so then they're sort of stuck in a, in a tough position. Um, Cal, what do you see for the top four in the Eastern conference? In no particular order. Toronto, Rebs, Columbus, Atlanta. Okay. No love for Orlando City from, from, uh, from either of you, even given their success last season. I think they'll get into the playoffs. Okay, not top I, four. I just don't think they'll be in the top four. No. Yeah, I had Atlanta in the top four, and I put Orlando in the top four, but I could be talked out of it. Again, I had New England. Uh, I could have been Columbus, Toronto, New England, Atlanta. I, Atlanta, again, it's one of those teams where, like, I would love to count them out of the playoffs again, um, just personally, but with the return of Joseph Martinez and, and, and I think bringing in, uh, you know, the new coach, uh, is it Heinz or is it Heinze? Heinze. Heinze. Okay. Uh, that's what I, that's what I was going to go with. So um, bringing in Heinze, it seems like he's got, you know, he's, I was just reading about on MLS uh, soccer.com, how he's uh, weighing people and measuring body fat with like a thing that measures bone density. Like he's really going all in on this, like fitness and this is where we need to get to. So I, I like Atlanta given, given those things. Um, that would not fly with a woman's team. I, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, all right. Dark horse teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you know, again, I had New England, but like uh, Cal, let's go to you first. What do you think is a team that's that's going to surprise people out there? You know, Steve, I, I really, really want to say Miami. Um, okay. And I want to say them because I, I think I think a good Miami is good for the league. Um. But I, <laughs> they've got so many. They've got so many issues right now. For, right now, that I, I guess um, just before we got on on this, there was a suggestion that the youngster Pellegrini, who's one of the DPs, has now got to be traded because obviously um, they were caught cheating, and Les Matuidi is 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 now a designated player. Um, right. so there's so many issues that they have. Um, actually, do you know what I'm going to do, Steve? My dark horse team, um, and it's an extremely dark horse. I think are going to be uh, CF Montreal. Um, I I think with uh, <laughs> you both look looking crazy. <laughs> I think um, 
I think um, they've put together a decent little roster, actually. And uh, they, they brought in uh, Georgi Mihailovic, who, let's not forget, he you know, was wonderful with Chicago. I think with the pieces around him, with Kyoto on the right-hand side as well, I think it'll be good. Um, Centre-forward, they've got some competition as well. Uh, Wilfred Nelsi, the, the new manager who was replaced Thierry Henry after he left, I think has got, um, he's got a point to prove. It's, it's a big opportunity for him. Um, so again, I, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting they're going to be top four, top five. I, I think Montreal get into the playoffs this year. Okay. Kendra, I, I enjoyed your reaction to uh, Cal suggesting Club de Montreal was going to make it, uh, it was going to be a, a challenger. What's, uh, what's your dark horse? Well, I, I would say the same um, as Cal, as far as Miami, I want to put them in there, but I still think there's a lot to be said about the, what's going to happen with the rules breaking. And I, cause before the whole, that whole investigation and everything was going on, if we didn't, if they didn't have to get rid of anybody, I kind of thought that there's no way they can be as bad as they were last year. They got absolutely pummeled. They made changes in their sporting side. You know what I mean? And there was so much pressure on them. I thought, okay, that could be a dark horse and and maybe they'll finally live up to some expectations. All the guys have another year together. But I think that, you know, considering all that and what's going on, not, you know, a lot of the owners aren't very happy about it either. um, I would say Cincinnati might be my dark horse. And I mean, this is like same kind of thing, total crapshoot. I don't know what team is going to show up because there were moments last year where we'd watch the matches. I would watch the matches and you, they, you could see something there. You could see it. But then there's some moments where you're like, good Lord, what is going on with this team? Their defense looks, you know, like a sieve and they have got nothing going forward, no excitement, no energy to attack with, you know, the reports today that Amaya is Frankie Amaya is gone. He clearly wasn't happy. What's going on with, you know, with Jan, uh, I just totally blanked on his name. Yep, stop. Yes, yep, I was going to mix it up and put the like the two ending, you know. In, in fairness, they published the wrong photo of yeah, the guy like, when they hired yep, yep, so We could have shaved Cal's head and put his photo out there. <laughs> um, but I think FC Cincinnati, I just think, you know, and, and maybe that's just kind of like hopeful because I yeah. feel like, you know, that, that market deserves something better. Um, they've supported that team prior to being in MLS and they've had a lot of changeover. So, Hopefully they get it, get it going, you know, and neither of us, none of us said Austin, you yeah. know, which well, is interesting because they gonna built be a pretty, oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. going to be next. So sorry. that's the last thing we'll touch on. Okay. Um, okay. I was going to just second you on FC Cincinnati, mostly because I want them to succeed as a sort of small market Midwestern uh, team that had a lot of support prior to coming into MLS and has struggled for a couple of years. I don't know if this sounds like any other teams you guys have been associated with. Um, They also swung for the fences with Brenner, you know, bringing in like splashing out on a guy. And I want that to work for a small market team. Like I want that because we tend to divide expansion teams now into like, you're either going to spend a bunch on, on guys or you're going to play it close to the to the chest and you're going to you know sort of like build slowly i like this you know going out and getting a young hot dp uh i think that's exciting and they are they have a new stadium this season i think new stadiums are you get a new stadium bump you know and i hope that because obviously fc cincinnati when they were um when they were in the lower division like a fortress right that was like that was the thing is like their home their home field advantage was huge i hope they get that again for fc cincinnati now let's move we got two minutes. I don't know. Five (laughs) minutes on Austin FC because I wanted to single them out as like, you know, how are we assessing the build in, in, in Austin? And uh, you know, what do we think? Kendra, you seem to be chomping at the bits to talk about Austin. It's a great city. I'm sad that I won't have a chance to go there and eat Franklin barbecue again, because it's like my Mecca, but, uh, but tell me what you think about Austin FC's build so far. Well, I think I've been really pleasantly surprised. I think they won the expansion draft. You know, I mean, there were surprises there and the waiver wire and all those kinds of things. And there's so much excitement around that club. I'm looking forward to some of the, there's some MLS availability next week. And Matthew McConaughey is one of them. And he's really done a lot to boost. I know that's not on the field stuff, but we've all seen how star power can really elevate a brand in a club. And I think he's done that for them. Um, but I think from a roster standpoint, they've just gone about it the right way. They clearly had a plan. They had some time to put it together. And I think that is one thing we in Minnesota may have learned is that when you have time to legitimately put something together with a plan as you're going into MLS, that you can really make a, a, 
you can make an impact right away. We saw with Atlanta United, it wasn't just about Atlanta United throwing money at it. It was also about the time that they knew for a couple of years that they were going to be coming in the lead. They could sign guys and send them out on loan. And I think Austin, um, after the rigmarole with, you know, moving from Columbus and what, you know, whatever had gone on there with ownership and things, they've done things the right way. And they've made some adjustments to, um, you know, their, their front office, their sporting side, they brought in some good guys. Their roster looks good. They have, you know, Matt Beasler, who we could say is a little bit washed up on the field, maybe or a little bit a step slower, but talk about leadership in, in the clubhouse and what mm-hmm. you're going to get from a player like that. Diego Fagundes, I think is dangerous from an attacking perspective. Um, Danny Hussein, I can go on the list here of some real solid players that they brought in Nick Lima. You know, I, I just think that they've done things the right way. And I think they're going to make an impression in, in this league. And um, I'm excited to see what they bring to the table on a beautiful new stadium, by the way, mm-hmm. as well. And great looking uh, jerseys. Also, their kits are fantastic. Um, Cal, your thoughts on Austin. So I've got them down as a 4-2-3-1 at the moment. Um, you spoke of um, exciting young designated players. Well, they've, they've done that in, in adding Thomas Pochettino. Uh, who was a star in Argentina and um, was linked with with a lot of different clubs. And and, and again, here we see this uh, carousel continuing and, and, and another Argentine star arriving in Major League Soccer. Um, at the moment, I mean, I, I do wonder, I think it looks as if they're going to go with Andrew Tarbell in goal. Um, as Kendra said, I think Lima will be at right back, Ben Sweat at left back, uh, Cascante at centre-half, the former Timbers man. Um, the biggest question for them at the moment, I'm not sure, is, is at centre-half, is, is Beisler a, a legitimate starter for them? Um, I, I'm not entirely sure. I think Romagna, who they've brought in uh, from overseas, could, could potentially play a centre-half there. Um, Alex Ring is the key. Alex Ring is absolutely the fundamental piece to this Austin FC puzzle. Um, and he will allow them, uh, the players ahead of him, to go and play. Uh, alongside him in the centre midfield, it could be a number of people. Sebastian Verhalter... Uh, could be an option. Segura, Jimenez, uh, all experienced. Uh, the, the last two, anyway, Jimenez and Segura, in terms of, of minutes in Major League Soccer. Um, I think Pochettino will play in the 10. And then either side of Pochettino, I, look, they'll, they'll play Dominguez on the left-hand side. Uh, he was wonderful at Guarain, um, inverted winger, comfortable with both feet, designated player, Paraguayan international. Um, he's going to be a real threat for them. Rodney Redes, um, I think, is also somebody who, who I think is going to do well. Uh, a little more raw, a little less mature than Dominguez. So it wouldn't surprise me from time to time if Redes uh, swapped with, with uh, Fagundes. And um, Fagundes, as Kimber mentioned earlier on, has obviously got a lot of minutes in this league. And still, he's only 26 or 27 now, I think. It, it feels like he's been <laughs> around the league for an eternity. And then Danny Houston will, will start up front. So. Um, I think they're in a really good good spot. I think they're set up for um, a season where I think that they... I still don't think they're going to get to the playoffs. If they do, they'll sneak in. Um, but I think it's a really, really good expansion roster. And um, as I said, the only the only major question mark for me is what happens at centre-half? Is it Romagna? Is it Wiesler? Maybe they look at a better goalkeeper at some stage as well. I said that with all due respect to Andrew Tarbell. Uh, but from an attacking sense, Steve, I, I think they're all set. I think they're going to be fast fluid I think they're going to be very entertaining yeah I think that the you know looking down the roster again I think they did they did great getting Danny Hewson um that's a that's a fantastic pickup for a guy who looked really good a couple years ago and then sort of struggled a little bit and this is a good chance for him to to get right and in in that position of center forward where I think he does he does his best work um you know having they they seem to have gotten a good mix of you know young dynamism uh as far as you know getting Pochettino you know having you know vets like Beasler again who don't necessarily have to play a ton of minutes but provide you know uh lockership 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 that's a word now i've just made it up locker room leadership and um you know and then like solid vets you know you got ben sweat nick lima guys who have experience in 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 mls to provide that um you know my major i think my major concern just looking at the field balance is like where are they going to attack is it going to be going through the middle is it all going to work through um alex ring you know like how do they get that to work um will they be able to get anything out of the left side or is it just going to be all right all right all right okay i had to do that uh that's all i have to say on that one i had to throw in a matthew mcconaughey joke uh all right kendra cal 
thank you so much uh, for, for joining me on this podcast. Um, do you have any parting words? I'll give you the last word so it doesn't have to be a terrible Matthew McConaughey joke. Honestly, I just can't wait for the season to get going. Um, I'm excited to see the club in person. It's tough when we've been limited and, you know, them playing all these scrimmages and seeing these results and um, not being able to watch the matches. So I'm just excited to see it in person. I'm excited for uh, the opening game at Seattle. I I don't know. I just, you know, you just want to get going. Like at this point, it's fast and furious and there's a lot to be done still, but I just am am pretty pumped and stoked. And can we just get back to Allianz Field with some fans? (laughs) That's all. That's all. That's my parting shot. All right, Cal, your final word. Your podcast, Steve, the last word is yours, mate. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for joining us for the 138th Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Kendra at Kendra Sports on Twitter. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com. You can follow me at Steve Entris. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember... There's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.